Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week's episode of the Platinum Sombrero Podcast is brought to you by the new bestseller from TPS Publishing, 101 Places to Avoid Before You Die. Join us and discover why you should never consider going to places like Gary, Indiana, Stockton, California, Griffin, Georgia, and why you should avoid the entire state of Nebraska like the plague. This updated edition also includes a full-page layout demonstrating why you should not go to North Dakota in the winter or Tampa, Florida ever for any reason. Our newest masterwork also discusses why you should stay home instead of going to places like the DMV, the airport, the county fair, any buffet-style restaurant, or church on Wednesdays. 101 places to avoid before you die. Patent pending. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch, here it is. Long, fly ball, deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, 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 yes. Brave has given you a championship. A 25 lighters on my dresser, yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by Armchair All-Americans and our friends at SeatGeek. If you're looking for tickets to any game or concert or theater or whatever you need a ticket for, SeatGeek is the best place to go to. Why? Because they have a great algorithm that will tell you, number one, how good the seat that you're looking for is. That way, if you're going to a game at Wrigley, you know they've got a pole that sits in front of one of the seats. It's probably the worst place in all of baseball to watch a game. Well, SeatGeek will tell you that. Uh, If you're looking at paying face value for a seat, it'll tell you if maybe that's a great value, maybe it's a bad value. SeatGeek.com will tell you. Also, if you're looking to sell a seat, SeatGeek has a great algorithm that will let you know how much you should be charging for that seat. SeatGeek.com and the app is is just the, the way to go if you ever need any sort of tickets. And if you use our promo code ACAA, you will get $20 off at the checkout, which is essentially two Frenchies Blues, or you can call it your seat fee, or maybe it'll pay for your parking pass, whatever it is. 20 bucks is 20 bucks, and SeatGeek.com will give you that 20 bucks just for using them and using our promo code ACAA. SeatGeek, life's an event, and we have the tickets. All right, so before we get started too, too much, uh, first off, I'd like to apologize 
for the audio last week. I think I've got it all fixed uh, fixed up. I don't know if you guys are, are know this or not, but Sarah and I had to move. So getting settled in the new place here, I don't have the same place to record that I had at the old house. So there could be some adjustment periods. You guys just bear with me while it's happening. I promise uh, I'm not messing with anything else. It's, it's just kind of the way it has to be right now. Hopefully everything's all fine and dandy and I fixed it today. But we are kind of doing an old school way today so I can hear if things go bad. So Doc, I know you're in Utah again. Uh, if you hear me go dark for a little bit, it means I'm trying to fix something. So just be filler. Hey, you got it. You got it. Yeah, man, I am. Uh, I am back in Utah. This is, I think, the second time out of the last five episodes that I've that I've been out here. And I don't know if um, if this is going to make a difference to anybody, but I'm wearing a suit right now. So this is going to be like my most uh, posh This is going to be my most dressed up I've ever got for an episode of Platinum Sombrero right now. So just uh, when we get later into the episode, uh, don't let that fall out of your mind. This is a very important point. And it is a very important sign as Doc has completely run out of vacation time here. I might have to start charging him hours uh, for, for being gone so much. But for today, before we rip on Doc too much, uh, should be a fun episode today. We're going to try to keep this right at an hour, and we'll see how well we do with it. We generally kind of suck when we say we're going to stay to an hour. Um, but we're, we're going to try today. Uh, there, there's There's some big things to talk about. There's some things that need to be addressed. But overall, I don't think it's... Uh, a crazy sort of week. The Braves are coming off a four and two road trip, which you know it's a good road trip. It's not what we were expecting for the Braves, but a good road trip. Um, and there's a lot of talk that you know Milwaukee's kind of fallen a little bit this year. I'm not real. I'm not real worried that we lost a series to Milwaukee. You break it down, they're still a really good team. Yeah, I mean, any team that's got Christian Yelich on it automatically has uh, has a leg up on a lot of the competition and. The, this particular series, you know, this was the first one that the Braves had lost since uh, June 4th through 6th against the Pirates. I mean, it was 10 straight series without a loss. So truthfully, as, as nice of an idea as it, as it is that we would have gone the rest of the season without losing series, it, it really was bound to happen at some point. So uh, just got done sweeping the Padres. They were coming off a five-game winning streak, and, you know, they got their asses handed to them. On uh, I guess that was on Tuesday night uh, when they were when they were playing the Brewers. So uh, you know it it was bound to happen. And Milwaukee is still a good team. Their pitching has kind of fallen apart a little bit this year. They the way that they go about doing their starting pitching and the relying on their bullpen is kind of kind of strange. Uh, but the offense is still ridiculous. Yelich, Kane, uh, Mike Mustakis, Yasmani Grandal. I mean that's that's potent. So there are a lot worse teams that we could have lost the series to. And you just kind of ran into the buzzsaw. Brandon Woodruff, again, had a good game, which is weird. Is it just me, Doc? But I, I never go into a series. Like, there's a lot of pitchers that I worry about facing. There's a lot of guys that I think of when I think of top pitchers. Brandon Woodruff is not one of those guys. And I know he's had a great year. I know he racks up a ton of strikeouts and doesn't walk people. Maybe it's just me, but I, I, I feel really good if you face Milwaukee in a playoff series because I don't particularly fear any of their starters no i'm i'm the same and my my most vivid memory of woodruff is when he wound up hitting a home run off of kershaw last year like a, a pitcher who's who's pumping high 90s that my my most vivid memory isn't even of him doing anything on the mound but but yeah i mean if these two teams were to meet in a, in a best of seven i still would wind up favoring atlanta in that and i I, I kind of feel that way with Atlanta, even losing a series, whatever. Uh, I, I kind of feel great about Atlanta in any series aside from the Dodgers. The Cubs, I think we've got better. I think we're a better all-around team than the Cubs. 
uh, anybody else that could come out of the Central, I feel better about. Um, there's there's not really another team aside from the Dodgers that I think poses a significant threat to the Braves. As I say that, and Steven Strasburg just hits a three-run home run off of Kyle Wright and uh, what has quickly turned into a bad game for him, but we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but how, how, do you, how do you feel? Uh, well, you know, at this point, I uh, just saw the score, so let's hope we're not facing the, the Nationals in, in the playoffs. But no, I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, and this... The, the fact that, you know, it's it's eight to one in the third inning now. So I'm just going to do some light rounding here and assume that the Braves might not wind up coming back from this one. So let's say that they wind up losing three straight. You have these ebbs and flows in seasons for when you have a hot streak, like what they had when they won 22 out of 30. I mean, it's natural that you're going to wind up having some type of, of slide in there. So totally disregarding what you're seeing in the last three games. You know, I think that the team is much closer to who they were over the, the biggest 30. The sample size is bigger a lot more accurate you're getting a lot more contributions from uh, up and down the lineup which i think you you would be much more apt to see in a series uh, in, in a playoff series like that so yeah i mean the dodgers obviously are absolutely brutal the central the central is really interesting cubs brewers maybe the cardinals i think the cardinals are my choice to win the division coming into the season um like they've that's a strong division like even the reds and the pirates are, are pesky competition so the Central might be kind of underrated in the fact that anybody who comes out of that division will be just like war-torn hero. They're going to wind up looking like uh, looking like Bruce Willis at the end of Die Hard, um, just because they they will have there's no real opportunity for them to to let their foot off the gas pedal. So, um, Braves are still in absolutely good shape. Don't don't let the last couple of games fool you. But uh, I don't I don't know I. I still feel good about our team. It's it's so hard to say that. I'm I'm looking still staring at the score going, God, it's eight to one. How optimistic can you spin this? But yeah, I still I still feel pretty good about this team. And there's a lot of reasons to feel that good. I mean, Ronald Acuna has been just as good as we were all hoping he would be coming off of last year's monster season. Freddie's been somehow even better than he already was. And if it weren't for Yelich and Cody Bellinger being in the NL, Freddie Freeman would be putting forth an MVP season. And now Josh Donaldson is on this is on one of his insane kickers. And this is kind of what Josh Donaldson is. So like I keep hearing a lot of differences, like, oh, now he's now he's hot and, and now he's fixed something. And you know, uh now since he got hit by Joe Musgrove. And that's fun to think about. Like that's a fun thing to consider. Like, yeah, he just got pissed off and now he's Superman. But this is kind of what Josh Donaldson does like he goes on these runs where he puts up insane numbers it's a lot like Justin Upton like if you ever look at Justin Upton's seasons like even his season where he almost won MVP like it's peaks and valleys where he'll go through stretches where you you can't pitch to him and then he'll go through stretches where he gets into a lot of trouble and it's the same thing with Donaldson and anytime you've got a swing that's that long and that intricate then you're going to go through spells. Luckily for the Braves, right now, Josh Donaldson, I don't want to say he's carrying the team because the entire offense is on fire for the most part. Um, but Donaldson, I believe, what, in the span of since that Pirate series has matched Freddie Freeman in terms of F war? Yeah, over the course of the season, Josh Donaldson and Freddie Freeman have the same amount of F war at 2.7. And Donaldson has accumulated 1.7 of his. Uh, since being hit by Musgrove. So over the course of about five weeks, he's accumulated almost two more. I mean, the Justin Upton comp is as far as like being able to carry an offense when, when he's on, that's absolutely true. And, and his spray chart is hilarious because at least half of his home runs have gone to right or right center. That's, that's how, you know, he's feeling it. And he's, 
His defense is stellar. I mean, you're, you are always going to get a lot of strikeouts out of him, but you're also going to get a lot of walks too. I mean, he's walking at about a 14% clip. He's hitting doubles. You know, he's, he's doing all of the things that he was signed to do. So if you're looking at the valuation where it's $8 million per, per war, then if the season ended now, he would almost be there. And it, war is a counting stat. So he's still got an extra two and a half months to add on top of that. So he's basically been worth his entire contract already. And uh, to whoever is running the Braves cold takes account, who is digging up all of the, the uh, old pissed off Braves fans that were just so mad about, you know, they threw our money away. Man, that is uh, that is a lot of work because there were a lot of people that were just furious, absolutely furious. I don't know if it was the mullet or the attitude or what it was, but man, I tell you what, he's uh, he's really turned it around. And and everybody wanted to compare him to Camargo. Well, I mean, he's pretty much completely outpaced everything Camargo did last year. So just throwing that out there. Yeah, I'm not really into the whole digging up old takes thing because most of the time when the take is is originally said like there's merit to it at first like it's not like anybody or I guess there's the Andrew Boyers of the world I guess to the most part for for most <laughs> for most rational people there's a reason behind the take uh, I'm not I'm not real big on digging up old takes I mean it can be funny if you're wrong especially if you're a guy that you know will just go along with it and just kind of admit yeah I was wrong here um, but for the most part I'm not I'm not into digging up old takes but but for each their own I guess um, but on, on to Josh Donaldson you know I'm a huge Camargo guy but there, there, you can't sit there and say that Donaldson has been a detriment to the team. He's been incredible. Uh, he's held down the four spot really, really well. If you believe in lineup protection, then you got to believe that Donaldson has helped Freeman out immensely since Freddie's having the best season of his career and Josh Donaldson's behind him. I like the lineup with Josh batting fourth. I like it a heck of a lot more than I liked it with him batting second, by the way. I think it's much better for him to be in that cleanup spot. Um, but the lineup as a whole is trucking right along and I know they've lost a series and they're not putting up 10 runs a game anymore blah 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 but I'm not really concerned about the lineup other than we kind of do have to address the elephant in the room and that's Ender coming back and Ender Ender gets called back up today we're recording on Thursday Um, and while I if he's used correctly then I'm very happy with because he does have a spot on this team the problem is going to be, man, I, I am so nervous. Now, he did start today over Austin Riley, but in case you missed Doc's tweet through the TPS account, it's a very good reason. Austin needs a dadgum break. Austin's played nearly every single game since he's come up, and he's in a really big funk right now. The, the league has adjusted to him, and he hasn't adjusted back yet. Now, I really do think he will, but for now, going against Strasburg, who has a wicked slider, which has been the pitch that kills Austin Riley, I'm okay with Ender starting tonight, and it, and it kind of gives Acuna half a day off as well as he gets to move from center field to left field, and it almost gives him a little bit of a break. I'm okay with this move. I'm not I'm not going to gripe about one game. I kind of expected the day that you call the guy up, he's going to play. No doubt, and and I think it's it's natural to to have some level of trepidation about the way that he's going to wind up being used because it's not like he was hitting the cover off the ball when he was up last time. Um, I think. The, the amount of time that he was out and going through the rehab and everything, I, I a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, he's he's got fake DL. He didn't get fake DL'd for like two straight months. You know what I mean? Like, he's back. I think, if anything, between now and the trade deadline, he's going to wind up playing more than he will after August 1st because I think that there's a legitimate chance that, there, that somebody's going to say, all right, going to have some level of interest in him. But yeah, Austin Riley has been 
abysmal for the last for the last month. I mean, he was great for his first month, and for as good as he was the first month, that is exactly how bad he has been uh, in uh, in the last thirty days or so. And the power is still there, but you know he's he's going to have to make the adjustments. And I think that the, what Snicker said, uh, like he used the term filling in, and he also said uh, in regards to Ender, and he said he didn't feel the need to force him in the lineup. And just the way that those words kind of rolled out of him, I kind of get the feeling that this isn't going to be like a permanent thing. Now, um, Braves cold takes can probably wind up taking that and and tweeting and tweeting that out and uh, and probably. Uh, a couple of weeks if, if this does wind up persisting. But uh, but yeah, I mean, having a guy like Ender, like when, whenever they wind up pulling Riley uh, in lieu of Charlie Culberson, you know, I don't think Culberson is that big of an upgrade over Riley, enough to where you ha- have to wind up pulling him out. But Ender, for all of his faults, is still a great defender. So having him as the late-inning defensive replacement, uh, pinch runner type Terrence Gore, with a lot less speed, I guess. Uh, he, you're right. He does have a place on this team, but I wonder how much longer he is going to have a place on this team. I don't think the Braves have any real reason to force a trade if he's going to really be used as that fourth outfielder. The key to the 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 kicker to that whole thing is if if Snicker can use him as a fourth outfielder, not force him into a strong platoon with Riley. If he's strictly going to be used as a fill-in guy, give Austin and and Nick and. Ronald a day off here and there, then there's no real reason to trade Ender. It's not like he's super expensive um, value-wise. I mean, if he brings you in something better, then fine, but you'll have to take into account you'll be right back to where you were before with no backup. So as a fourth outfielder, then I, I don't think there's any need to really trade him unless, you know, whatever team you're dealing for for a pitcher really says, hey, give us Ender. I, like, I don't think he's going to be a hang-up in a trade, but I really don't think that the Braves – if used correctly, I don't think they're forced to to trade Ender at all because they did do what you and I were hoping, uh, and they're carrying a five man bench. You and I were were more concerned if it was going to come at the expense of sending Camargo down for quote unquote full time at bats. Um, and while Camargo could certainly still be traded, um, which I think is a distinct possibility because I think teams would be more infatuated with Camargo than Ender. Um, as of right now, the way the bench sits is perfectly fine. And that that's the type of role that Ender needs to be on this team. You can talk about you know late inning defense, um, pinch runner, whatever, but there is a distinct advantage to having a guy on the bench who can come in defensively and actually give guys real days off, and you don't lose much um, as long as he's not getting every day at bats. Because even with Riley struggling, I think you and I aren't really going to fool ourselves into thinking that Ender's going to come out and, and have some incredible second half. Now he's done it before, so maybe. Uh, but chances are he's going to be pretty bad. He wasn't good uh, during his rehab assignment offensively. He was more of what he is. So even with Riley struggling with the bat, the lineup is just different with Riley in it because you do always have to respect the fact that he can take a yard if you make a mistake. Um, and you don't really have that same ability with Ender. And with the pitching staff, kind of in the state that it's in, you kind of want to go with as many runs as possible. So as long as he's used correctly, as long as Brian Snicker sticks to what he said, uh, about now nah, he's going to fill in, then I have no worries. Same. And and it remains to be seen. Like you said, he got called up this afternoon, so it's not like we have any any type of meaningful sample size to base this on. So this is one uh, that we will revisit uh, over the next couple of weeks. So uh, you make some really good points about him, about having him around as a fourth outfielder, and even being able to, to spell Marcakis, which he – They've been better about giving Marquez days off. I just I would be interested in getting Freddie a day off because I think that, especially with the fact that not that I'm, let me be very clear. I, I'm not insinuating that I, that I think that uh, 
Ender needs to go and uh, over there and play first base. I don't want anybody to think that that was the the jump I'm making there. But uh, even with you know Freddie, I don't think has had any days off this year. At least uh, not not any starts off. Or he's if had he one. He's like, had one. There was that game against the Diamondbacks one. where he had the flu. Okay, yeah, that's right. So you know, and Riley can play first. Donaldson might be able to play first. Martinez could probably play first, or, or Joyce or Culberson if you really really needed to. But uh, with the the All Star break having just happened then he didn't even get that to really relax. So I, I think that um, he kind of he's starting to show a little bit of wear. It's still Freddie Freeman. So, you know, a, a subpar Freddie is only hitting 280 with an 820 OPS. It's just a noticeable drop off. So um, you can never have too many good players and, and Ender as much as people don't like him. I wonder how much more people would like Ender if he didn't block everybody. Oh, I think that that would be a huge difference because – yeah. Uh, well, not just the blocking, but you really could tell uh, the body language wise, and, and it was it was starting to to get out of hand a little bit. Uh, we all talk about Fulty with the bad body language, but Ender absolutely had that going as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So, you know, he's he's a hard sell, but I think that if he comes up and he, he you know he sticks around and he plays well for the next little bit, that he could re endear himself to people just in time to wind up getting shipped out. Anything that we're gonna that we, the Braves rather, uh, are going to wind up getting for him. It might be a lateral move, even if it's for a bullpen piece. Ender is not perfect, but he is not without value. So we'll see. I mean, we got we got two weeks, but there was um, the, he was the call up for today. But there looks like there's going to wind up being another call up happening uh, more than likely this weekend, and that is Kevin Gossman. And I'm kind of I'm much more intrigued by him coming back off his rehab assignment than I am about Ender. Now, you know how I feel about Kevin Gosman. Uh, I'm not a huge Gosman fan, but he has pitched a lot better um, lately in the minor leagues, and he's getting a start because I feel like they didn't want to rush Fulte back again. Um, like you and I said, Fulte's going to be down there for a minute. It's it's not just a quick couple starts and get him back up here thing. I think Gosman was the next logical choice with Max going down. I think they were really hoping that Bryce Wilson would uh, would take the reins there a little bit. But with, with the way that he pitched the other night, I just don't think they feel comfortable with him. And the way the way Kyle Wright's pitched today, I would uh, I would suggest that he's probably not going to start next week. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's uh, that's probably fair. And you know, with sometimes you know people have been saying all year like um, you know pe- Kyle Wright got jerked around too much and it just messed with him. I I don't really know how much that's true. And it's the same thing with Bryce Wilson. I mean they they know they're these guys are young, but they're not. Dumb. I think that they know that they were the front office was kind of taking a leap of faith with them, putting them in the, in the first uh, series of the season. And it didn't go well. Like every time that they, they go out there and they, you know, Bryce has had more good starts than that Kyle has this year. So but he still winds up getting sent down. And it's not because they're saying, oh, you can't hang. It's a, they're they're trying to figure out what they're doing. I mean, they're not in the rebuild anymore. They're not in the business of of like they, they were doing with Matt Whistler, where it's like, well, you sucked last time out, but we're going to. Keep you around because we're not going to win the division anyway. We have we have the ability to let you stick around here and figure it out. It's not like that. We're trying to go win the division and, and go deep in the playoffs here. And it's like, oh, you had a good, good couple starts in Gwinnett. Let's see if you got it. And then they get shelled in Atlanta. Like, well, uh, back to the drawing board for you. And same thing. Like you said, Tyler Wright allowed, um, allowed seven runs. Uh, the home run, actually, Tukey gave that up to Steven Strasburg. Now, that is somebody else that has uh, had a much longer leash than I think you should have had, but that is another conversation for another day. So, um, I don't know this, this whole thing with 
not being able to fill in that one slot with uh, with Wilson and Wright, and then Freed going down is like thank God it happened in July and not August because at least now there's the time to to look at a trade that can be made. And I know that we've got a lot to to talk about as far as the the deadline in the in the second half. But man, this whole thing about Freed that's a that's a killer. It is, but I, I don't think it's as bad as people are initially thinking. I think it was a lot more preventative than it was, you know, oh, no, he's got a huge blister on his finger. I think knowing Max and knowing that he struggles with blisters, the Braves kind of got him out early, and it showed a lot of maturity on Max's part to go up and say, hey, my finger's feeling bad. And him getting put on this 10-day IL, if it really is just preventative and it's not that bad, then it's kind of a shrewd move because it gets him – uh, a little bit of a break. It gets a start skipped, which I've been saying for a while. You will probably you'll need to do that periodically. Uh, the only thing that sucks is, man, he had his best stuff working. Uh, that was that was the best I'd seen him look in a long time. His curveball, some of those curveballs he threw, the one to Yelich uh, and the one oh to my ha- God, then the one to Jesus Aguilar that dropped from his letters to his ankles in the span of like half a second. That was some of the best stuff I've seen Freed have. So you're right. It sucks that he's not going to pitch Saturday. Um, but I'm not too worried about that. I don't think anybody around the team is really that worried about it. The problem, the problem is the Braves thought that they would have a fifth starter easily between just any of these young guys, whether that be Bryce Wilson or Tukey or Newcomb uh, or Kyle Wright or Gosman or Fulte. They thought that they'd be fine. That spot has not come to fruition. Luckily, the offense has been good enough that it hasn't been that big of a holdout. But when we get to the second segment, I do, I do believe now that we've moved into the territory where a starting pitcher is now the preeminent acquisition as opposed to a bullpen piece. Yeah, I mean, the bullpen, people seem to be really reluctant to accept the all of these facts that have been thrown around about the fact that the Braves' bullpen literally has the best ERA in all of baseball. I mean, it's not without its stressors, but and this is a point I've made before. Like, the reason mo- most – nobody, like – comes up and they're they're like, I want to be a reliever when I grow up. Everybody wants to be a starter, but some guys just can't hack it, whether it's because their stuff doesn't have enough movement or because they never figured out how to throw a third pitch. Guys wind up in the bullpen for any number of reasons. Starters are guitarists. Relievers are bassists. So, like, uh, but the numbers speak for themselves. Like, if Luke Jackson loads the bases, but he doesn't give up any runs, then he didn't give up any runs and, and he's going to wind up getting the save. You know what I mean? So it, there's, there's a lot of inputs that when we did our advanced analytics, advanced stats episode last week, we talked about the need to look at the full picture and see like why certain stats are misleading or not even necessarily misleading that they just don't tell the full story. But yeah, I mean, if I'm, if I'm looking up and down this bullpen, a healthy Anthony Swarzak, a healthy Luke Jackson, you know, you've got some good pieces in here, but it's not going to matter if it's nine to three in the seventh. You know, by the way, by they- the way, not to interrupt. I know every, I know you guys hate when I interrupt Doc, but let's give some props to Chad Zabotka, who, after coming back up from Gwinnett, has been what you and I were hoping to see from him at the beginning of the year. Remember, before the season started, you and I said he was going to be an X factor for this bullpen. Now it's not likely he's going to be in the back end like you and I were originally thinking. But Chad Sabatka being this Chad Sabatka and being able to go an inning plus, go two innings here and there, that's a big help to this bullpen. Hell yeah, it is. And he, he's looked totally different. He was, getting, he was getting knocked around big time 
when uh, like for the first uh, first couple of weeks of the season. And he the time that he was out, whatever he was working on with his pitch mix, Anthopoulos alluded to something in an interview he did where where they requested specifically to him to change up his pitch mix. And I think we're looking at eight out of ten or nine out of eleven appearances since he came back that have been scoreless. He's been he's been great. So yeah, that's that's huge. And while while he's staying in sync, he's got all his levers working at the same time. He's a lot to keep up with because he's he can throw gas. I mean, he t- touches a hundred and touching uh, high nineties, touching a hundred. That's that's a huge weapon. And just because he's not pitching in the back half of the the uh, in the back half of games now, that doesn't mean that he won't in the future. So yeah, you pair Sabatka and Newcomb and Luke Jackson most of the time, Anthony Swarzak apparently all of the time, you know, that's, that is a really, really good bullpen, but it still needs more. It, it needs some level of stabilization, whether it's, you know, my thoughts on Madison Bumgarner are very well documented. I, I don't necessarily know if, um, if the Braves are going to go out, wind up going out and getting him. If you can get that package deal to where you can bolster both the rotation and the bullpen because you can never have too many good relievers but yeah when i'm when i'm looking up and down this rotation whether it's keichel getting shelled for the first time free going on the aisle soroka is going to run up against an innings limit julio Tehran, who knows which julio is going to show up at any given day will Fulty be back will gossman be back i mean there's just questions up and down the whole thing so I don't know, man. Uh, like I said, thank God this stuff with Freed happened uh, now. It seems a little weird about the trade deadline being being the hard stop at the end of July. Like, this is the first time in my entire life where it's been like that. And now it's like, it seems a little early to punt for a lot of these teams that are going to have available pieces. But I don't know. Are, are you feeling that way at all? Do you think it's a little early for, like, the Rangers or somebody to say, like, oh, sure, yeah, we're just going to sell Normally, I would say yes, but because there is no August deadline, I think a lot of these teams that are kind of hanging around the wild card but don't really have real playoff prospects, I think they're going to have to take a hard look uh, and, and figure it out because there is no, oh, we'll just we'll just see where we are in August. I think that's going to cause a lot of teams to sell earlier because if you don't feel like you're a real contender, then you got to sell now. Now, it could, up, it could also up the demand for a lot of these guys because it's midseason, so a lot of them are still feeling good. But we're going to talk about that in the second segment. I don't want to waste all that talk because that's going to be, play a big part. So before we go and take our first break, I do want to ask you, do Ke- does Kevin Gosman or Mike Fultonevich make starts? Do either of them, do both of them, do one of them make big-time starts in September for the Braves? Oh God! Ask me next week. I don't know. No, <laughs> I mean, answer now. I mean, okay. So what? What Gossman did apparently uh, while while he was gone, he was he also was working on his pitch mix. So, and Bowman, uh, Mark Bowman had said that he was working on a cutter and a slider. But if I'm not mistaken, he had cutter already. So it, maybe he misspoke. Maybe it's a curveball. And so now, if he comes back. We talked about two pitch pitchers like it's been this season has been one of our, our biggest talking points, and, and especially as it pertains to Gossman. So he struck out 10 over seven innings. His last start in AAA, and it's it's different down there, but we've seen him be really, really good before, like after in the second half. Last year, after that, he came over to Atlanta. He was really, really good. And historically, he's much better in the second half anyway. So if you can add an extra pitch in there and he can reintegrate himself into this pitching staff, then yeah, I think Gossman absolutely could. 
But if he comes up on Saturday or Sunday and he winds up getting shelled, then I'm going to regret the fact that I said yes right now. So tentatively, I'm going to I'm going to say yes to both of them because I think that eventually they're going to have to just out of a need. I think that might have to bring Fulty back. But I'm going to say yes to both. And now I would like your answer to that question. You also have to answer right now. I think Fulty does. I think Fulty, whether you guys agree with the breakout last year or not, I think Fulty is such an integral part to what the Braves were planning. I don't think the Braves planned or had any real contingency for Fulty being this bad. Uh, I don't think they were expecting it. Certainly not in a contract year. Thought that I think that what they really were wondering was how much are we going to have to pay this guy? Gosman. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't the story of, of how the Braves were going to turn him around was knocking down a few of his pitches because he threw too many different pitches when he came over? Like, they essentially I, I, cut out his yeah. changeup completely. Yeah, uh, I think that's right. So, I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just not a huge Gosman guy. There's a lot of, like, there's there's some things he does very well. He can throw mid-90s. He's got a good splitter when it's on. I, I, I get all that. He's just not the guy. Like, if you're telling me that Gosman's your number five and he's good Gosman, then fine. You can kind of interchange a number five. But it, I would I think that one of them is gone before September starts, and I think the Braves would rather hold on to Fulte. Uh, and I, I think that once Fulte can kind of, Maybe get a little bit more used to throwing his pitches with the with the bone spur in his elbow. It might have more to do with being a comfort thing, and maybe there's some pitches he just can't throw the same way. He might have to ditch a pitch for a season, uh, and I do think that Fulty can still be successful with that. I do think you're seeing some really good outings from him in Gwinnett. Now, some of them have been bad. He's had a few really bad starts down there too, um, but but tonight's start, especially, he had a great start today. That's very encouraging. And I think if you're asking me to pick between the two, I'm going to pick Fulty. I'd, both of them had so many issues through this entire year, and they were so remarkably different for both of them that it's hard for me to even say which one I would take right now. So you're right. Fulty did have his good start today. Six innings, struck out six. I think he only gave up one run. Uh, this is a good sign, you know, and he, he's done, he's done okay in his rehab stint. You know, some of if you look at his full season numbers uh, for what he did, then they might be swung a little bit by what he did when he was first rehabbing, like before he ever even came back up in April. So, you know, looking at the game logs, he's, he's done all right, but I, I have not actively been watching any of those when at start. So I can't speak for the movement on his pitches. I can't speak for the body language, anything like that. So, it remains to be seen. I, I mean, he's going to come back up soon. Like I said, I think a lot of that might have to do with just sheer need uh, for, for eating innings and keeping, uh, keeping from having to, to start guys on regular rest. Now, one of the good things, even if the Braves are getting, getting beat bad in some of these games that, that Wilson and Wright are winding up starting, they are helping preserve the guys that are up and performing. Guys like Soroka and guys like Freed, who have, have never... I mean, Freed is basically running up on his... Uh, his career high in innings uh, as soon as he gets uh, off the IL then it'll be like three or four starts after that then he will wind up being a higher than he's ever been as a professional so I don't even the, think it'll be three or four starts after that I think he's at like 112 innings pitch now and his career oh, wow. highs his career high is 118 yeah okay so then he's closer than I, than I thought so anything that you can do you know these these games are not without without their merit so does it suck to, oh, to be hold beat? on you're right. Max is at 103.2, so about two starts. Okay. So, but but he's still getting there. He's going to hit that this season. So, like you said about the blister, 
uh, the fact that it's preventive and the fact that that they're you know it could be just like a really shrewd way to, to preserve his arm. So yeah, I think that that Fulty's coming back soon, and uh, let's hope he doesn't struggle because you know seeing a grown man who's a father of two hanging his head on the mound in front of a group of forty thousand people—that's a bad luck. So we'll see. We will definitely see. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to finally get into the trade talk that I know you guys have all been waiting on. I'm going to bring up a trade target that we talked about last week that I just can't get out of my head. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about some goings on in the minors as well as one per, one person in particular who really deserves a quick shout out on the show. All that and more coming up next right here on the Platinum Sombrero. This episode of the Platinum Sombrero is brought to you by the Bridges and Hose Pants Emporium. Are your jeans obscene? Do you look whack in your slacks? Come on down to Bridges and Hose and choose from a wide variety of legwear. We also offer on-site embroidery in case you want to look especially ridiculous. And if you've got a rip in your drawers, Bridges and Hose can be stitching your clothes. We'll put new stitches in your britches. Located downtown, we're right next to the Pitches and Throws batting cage. Remember, britches ain't shit, but lederhosen tricks. Welcome back to the Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the number one place to go for all of your favorite and all of your fun online gambling needs. College football season is fast approaching, and if you want to put money on the, in what my opinion is, the most fun thing to place money on college football because you really never do know what can happen. You want to place the money lines or, or what have you. MyBookie.ag will have every line available. If you want to get an early Heisman bet in there, you can probably find it on MyBookie.ag. If you want to bet by how many games the Braves win the division, or if you want to go ahead and lay that bet for the Braves winning the World Series, you can do that as well. MyBookie.ag has it all there available available for you in a very user-friendly interface to find everything you're looking for. And if there's anything that you're confused about, their customer service is second to none. And I know you guys have heard it, but if you use our promo code AC, or if you use our promo code BRAVES25, BRAVES25, they're going to give you a 50% deposit match just for using our promo code. Let them know where you found us. MyBookie.ag, play, win, and have a great time. All right, so before the break, we t- we said we were going to talk about the trades first and foremost. I, I want to get that out of the way, but before we get into anything else, there are some special shout-outs for this week. Um, Papa Doc is turning nice years old. That's true. Yeah, my, my dear dad is turning 69 years old tomorrow, July the 19th, so happy birthday, Dad. I know that uh, this is episode 72, and I don't think you have ever listened to us, so this is falling on deaf ears, but... Thank you for teaching me about baseball and music. I love you, man. Very, very adorable. Are you doing anything special? You got anything planned? Uh, I fly home from Salt Lake tomorrow, and I can pretty much guarantee that we're going to wind up getting together for dinner and uh, probably watching uh, watching a game this weekend at some point. There's nothing better than watching a game with your old man. That's true. Also, by the way, we should thank our patrons, Tara and Megan. You guys are awesome. Uh, And if you guys want to be a patron of the Platinum Sombrero and really be a part of the TPS team, you can do so on our Patreon account, uh, which is what? Patreon.com slash the Platinum Sombrero? Uh, TPS, uh, Patreon.com backslash TPS underscore podcast. If you've got uh, anywhere between 8 and 11 cents uh, laying around that you would – 
be willing to donate to the cause so we can avoid some of the audio issues that we had uh, last week or, or anything else like that. We, we would be uh, very appreciative of that. But if not, then, you know, boo on you. <laughs> yeah, that's right uh also if you do uh so far since it is just between tara and megan i will be putting names into a hat and drawing the winner for our first ever uh patron episode of the platinum sombrero that will be coming up in two weeks so the two of you guys make sure you have no plans going on we'll have you on the show next week and any patron if you subs- if you become a patron of the show you will be no matter what you put in, no matter what your your cost is, until we figure out more tiers or whatever, uh, put your name into the ring there, and you'll be able you'll be eligible to host a show with us. Uh, but enough of that talk. Let's get to some trades, Doc. All right, let's do it. The trade deadline is fast approaching, and you and I have gone over a lot of these names ad nauseum. Some of you guys may be getting tired of it, but really it's kind of the lead story for at least the next couple weeks until the trade deadline passes, especially when you're talking about who's going to be buyers and who's going to be sellers. And Doc brought this up in the first segment. Uh, A lot of these teams are still in the wild card hunt. These teams that we thought were going to be sellers, they haven't quite cratered to where you think that they're definitively out of it. Most of them are out of the division races by now, like Texas, for example. They're like eight and a half back in the AL West. They're not winning the AL West. But they're what five games, four and a half, or five games out of the wild card. That's still technically doable. That's the the hard thing about you know you're looking at you're looking at there being two wild card teams. So in, even when you're just getting completely blown out in the in the division race, then you still have outside hopes. And I know that for for management on some of these teams, it's got to be hard to swallow like let's take the giants for instance i mean everybody's known the giants were going to sell all season long bum garner and a ton of assets in the bullpen you can see it coming from a mile away and then all of a sudden they're really starting to play well they just swept the rockies they're the last i saw they're like two and a half games out of a wild card so now management i mean farhan zaidi is is no dummy i mean this guy is mega smart and he was just, he was with the Dodgers when Anthopolis was there so I mean he obviously knows he knows his stuff and he knows that he's got a really hard decision or, excuse me a really hard decision to make where you're saying are we really going to wind up making noise if we go to the playoffs like if, if they can keep this streak alive or do you just say sorry to everybody who really started to buy into this we're still going to sell all of these guys that's why I was saying like with the trade deadline being being July 31st, it's it's hard. It seems like even with the rules being different with the old trade deadline after August 31st, it just seems so soon. It really does. It's kind of a totally different feel about the season about it because you don't have that. I mean, it, it, we've just kind of become, you and I especially because we, we cover this stuff a lot, we've become so ingrained on this the the waiver deadline watch ah everybody goes on waivers who's going to be the guy to get added who's going to be the Verlander this season well we're not going to have those which is going to be a weird experience the first time through I'm kind of excited to see what happens because there's so much season to be played after it I do I really think there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to sell quick because they're not going to want to get to the offseason and lose a lot of these guys now the Rangers don't have to get desperate because Mike Miner who is their their number one trade chip he does have years of control after this season, so they don't necessarily have to rush. But guys like the Giants um, or Toronto with Marcus Stroman, these guys are going to get really desperate, I feel, come the deadline if they're not in it. Now, granted, I don't want Bumgarner anyway, but for, for guys with assets who are going to run out of, of control this season, like Zach Wheeler, 
you might be able to get Zach Wheeler for an absolute steal. I know he's on the IL. I don't really care. But you could get him for a steal because the Mets know if they don't get anything by the 31st, they're going to get nothing. And and that Zach Wheeler, that situation with him going on IL with, with shoulder fatigue, I mean, that is a really, really big statement to other GMs about, you know, you can't just sit back and, and wait till 2 p.m. on July 31st and say, okay, we're going to make this deal. Because, I mean, yeah, I know the Mets and their history with injuries. It's kind of freakish how often they have stuff like this happen. But, I mean... If you're if you're the GM in Toronto and you know Stroman just had it was a left pectoral muscle I think that you know he he didn't wind up missing any time but like those were far enough into the season to where these tiny little injuries they start cropping up and if you don't address them then your trade ships and and your hope for prospects and you know if Mike Miner gets hurt the Rangers they are kind of insulated a little bit because he's got a little bit of extra control like you alluded to and they don't necessarily have to move him but you know the Will Smiths and the and the Madison Bumgarner's the guys on expiring contracts, like they they need to they need to kind of hurry. And I know that that they're trying to incite a bidding war, and that's that's what you're supposed to do. But you you can't overplay your hand, otherwise you're you're looking at what the Mets are looking at with Zach Wheeler. But he's he's expected to make a start or two. So would they trade him to the Braves? Is kind of the question there. I think they would. The Mets and the Braves don't really have that trade hang up that the the Braves and the Marlins do. I mean, we've traded some lesser pieces back and forth for a while, but I mean, you got to figure that the Mets have had such a toilet bowl of a season that they'd be looking just to get something that would help them. Uh, And and I don't know. I know they're trying to move Edwin Diaz. Do the Braves make a play and take Wheeler and Edwin Diaz? They would certainly be a be a sell low on Diaz. That guy has had a horrible season, but he's got amazing stuff. Yeah, but they're already talking about moving him. Yeah, I mean, at at this point, like they're they're not even like they're they're third from the bottom in the National League, and I, and I think that they they know even with the the Will Ponds being being kind of moronic with a lot of the decisions that they make, I think that they know that they're in a position to kind of retool um, or recalibrate a little. Nobody likes rebuilding anymore as a term or tanking or anything like that. Then retooling or recalibrating or the the terms are kind of using now. So maybe I mean it. It would be kind of dicey, and God knows Braves Twitter would cave in on itself the first time that they uh, that Edwin Diaz blew a save or, or Zach Wheeler wound up giving up any type of meaningful runs to a division rival. So, uh, but that's that's kind of par for the course anymore. I mean, I I'm open for for pretty much anything at this point. We talked talked a little bit about the the need to to make some type of move, but when we were talking before the show, you brought up a really good point about like Anthopolis isn't gonna just go slinging prospects around and just going to go, yeah, if they trade for Matt Boy, they get him for four, four pennant races, but they also know that that's going to cost them Christian Pache, and I don't really think they want to do that. He's like, the trades that he's going to make are going to be just like every trade he's ever made. Yeah, Since he's been here, not not Toronto, Alex, but like Atlanta, Alex. Yeah, I think that's important. That's an important distinction because I think selling off every prospect worth anything when he's in Toronto might have made him a bit gun-shy when it comes to trading the prospects. Um, but just back on the Edwin Diaz thing, because I really just kind of considered that today. If you look at his peripherals, they're not that bad. He's had a lot of the Zach Wheeler luck. His FIP is almost two full runs lower than his ERA. Like He hasn't been as bad as the numbers indicate, but you'd be able to get him on a buy low because the Mets are so atrocious. Um, the more that I think about that, if you could swing Wheeler and Diaz, I would do that in a heartbeat. I don't think because they're because Wheeler is an expiring contract – I don't think you'd have to give up Apache or Drew Waters. 
And yeah. you, you and I have talked about it. Anybody that's not in the Ian Anderson, Drew Waters, Christian Pache tier, they're all available for me. Like I, I would hate to see some of them go. Like I love Joey Wentz. I love Kyle Muller. I, I love a lot of these guys, but they'd, I'd be willing to see them go if it brought in a substantial upgrade. Now, I still think Wheeler is the best pure arm on the market, and I love what Matt Boyd has done this year. But the more I think about it, the more I don't think the Braves are going to. I don't think the Braves are going to give up what it's going to cost to get Matt Boyd because he has that control on him. I don't think. I really don't think Matt Boyd is is a real possibility for the Braves unless the Tigers were to just take some massive buy low, which they don't have to. I mean, they they can sell him to any number of teams. Um, but Zach Wheeler's a guy that I'm really interested in, and I'm still really interested in John Gray. And that um, is it. British is that how you pronounce the the Rockies GM's last name? We'll just call him Jeff. The Jeff, who was the the Rockies GM, he came out and you know we had mentioned how how the Giants recently surged and swept the Rockies. Well, the Rockies were obviously on the uh, the receiving end of that, and he came out and he basically just skewered the team. He's like, yeah, we're playing terrible baseball right now. Our uh, our bullpen will find a way to blow it, and if our bullpen doesn't find a way to blow it, then our defense does, and stuff that like you just don't really hear out of uh, out of GM. So I mean, I think, and they started out three and twelve, and then they they went like thirty seven and twenty two over the next fifty nine games, and then they they're like three and twelve again, like they they suck again. So a guy like gray is, he is really interesting, but I think that they, they would wind up putting a really, really high price tag on him. Cause he's got a little bit of control too. And the same thing with Scott Oberg, who a reliever, who's got a one thirty five ERA in cores. Like you don't need to look at FIP for that. That's real good. That's really, really good. So a, a, a package deal like that would be something that would be really, really enticing. I, I'm hoping. And, and we have every back and forth trade that we've done since we've started looking at the trade deadline, probably eight, 10 episodes ago, we've been talking a lot about package deals. And I think that's one that would, that would really interest me there. I'm, I'm, Gray and Oberg. I'm a big fan of John Gray. Now he's a little bit of a head case like Fulty, but pure stuff wise, he's incredibly talented. Uh, but when you look at the Rangers, everybody knows Mike Miner, and that's the one that I would love to see Miner come back. Now that he's figured out that change up, I think that it's a totally different pitcher for Mike Miner. Uh, he's figured out how to throw correctly. And I, I, Big fan of his work. But there's another pitcher on the Rangers that I think would be just as good and wouldn't cost as much, and that's Lance Lynn, who, after a really bad year with, uh, who was he last year, the Twins and the Yankees last year, I believe, yeah. Uh, yeah. and really wasn't good with either team, he's made some changes, and this year he's been flat-out dominant, and he's a guy that I don't think would cost nearly as much. And I will agree with you. I think he's got some control too. I think he's got two years left after this one, but I mean, he is quietly having the best season uh, or one, one of the best seasons out there. I mean, he's 12 and five with a, he's accumulated 4.5 F war. I mean, he's striking out 10 per nine. He's barely walking over two per nine. I mean, and he's doing all of this in, in a, we're in uh, Globe Life, which is a really, really big pitcher's part. The only pitcher in all of baseball with a higher F four right now is Max Scherzer. I mean, he's he's got his his name up there with Charlie Morton, Garrett Cole, Strasburg, Ryu, Giolito. I mean, Degrom and Grinky, all of these names, these household names, and then oh, here comes Lance Lynn out of just kind of quietly dominating with a with a two ninety two FIP. I mean, that would be 
that's a really, really Anthopolis move right there, right? Like, doesn't he seem like the guy, like the super flashy type who, like, not the household name, who's got this massive contract attached to him or something? I mean, it's not even massive. It's like 10 million. It's like 10 million for the next two years, maybe. But it's not even just that. You could combine that with a Sean Kelly or a Jose LeClerc, who's been really bad this year, but still has a ton of arm talent. Like, there's there's a number of ways you could go with Texas. And the more that they continue to fall, the more likely they're going to be to sell them. But I thought Miner and Wheeler were going to be the top names on the market. That's before we got this bombshell the other day that the Cincinnati Reds, while I doubt they, I really am starting to doubt they trade Sonny Gray, there's a real possibility they trade Luis Castillo. I would trade everything for Luis Castillo. Oh my God, can you imagine a front of, of Castillo and Soroka? I mean, I just, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, Shut up and take my money. You can yeah. have whatever you want. Now, it's important for you guys to understand, trading for Luis Castillo would most definitely cost you one of the big three, at least one of the big three. That might cost you an Ian Anderson and a Drew Waters because he has so much control behind him, especially if you were to try to get one of their relievers. Like, say you got Castillo and uh, Jared Hughes, or, God forbid, Jared or him and Rysel Iglesias. Uh, like... Yeah, uh, Castillo is pre-arbitration. Like he's still making five hundred and fifty-seven grand. Like he he made this lineup look absolutely foolish when the, when we saw them a couple of months ago. I mean, Luis Castillo is you get five pennant races with him. You know, he's got four years of control after this one. He's twenty-six. He just oh my god, I I couldn't believe it. Like, and I this is the first time that I've been like. Yeah, whatever you want. You, I'll give you more than you want for Luis Castillo. I'd still try to. I'd still try to keep Pache just because I love Pache. Now, same. <laughs> like that's the one guy that I don't really. I don't know that I consider anybody untradeable, but Pache is as untradeable as anybody to me. Um, but if and I don't know how serious the Reds are. I think I. I don't think they'll really trade him. I don't think it would be a great idea for them to. They've done a good job of this year of, of being a surprisingly good baseball team, being good kind of everywhere, and they're showing real signs of, of putting some things together. And trading Castillo would really take them back a long way. They'd have to get guys who were MLB ready. Like you'd have to consider. Uh, Ian Anderson, a Drew Waters, maybe even another like a Bryce Wilson or guys that are ready to contribute right now. They'd have to get multiple guys who they could plug into a rotation, multiple guys who are going to be really strong players because they do have some outfitters that are going to go away. I don't know how realistic it is, but if I'm Alex Anthopoulos, uh, I've got them on speed dial. Yeah, and and once again with the package deal, talking about Castillo and Iglesias, that's uh, that is a trade that that one doesn't just hurt. You know, that that is an absolutely brutal trade to have to make. And I talked before about like overplaying the hand from the major league side. You can also kind of overplay the hand from the minor league side, too, because you look at Kyle Wright. Like, yeah, he's still 23. He's still, you know, he's basically been fast tracked over the past two. I mean, he only got drafted two years ago. He's still got boatloads of talent. But when you see him going out and giving up seven runs and two and two thirds innings, it's like, well, his prospect star is kind of fading and everybody's going to no, know he's going to start getting grouped into that same category where it's like, uh, okay, I'll trade you Ender and Colby Allard and, you know, and Travis Demerit, who every, everybody had completely written off like three months ago. Like it, it, 
it is possible to to hold on to the prospects for too long. And you, you've kind of seen it in some of the Colby is a really good example. I mean, he's he's had some some bounce backs and he, his stock is probably much higher now than it was a year ago. But uh, you can really hold on to these guys for too long. And, and while we still have a top five farm system, then I'm, I'm hoping that that it winds up being used wisely. So Kyle Wright. After tonight, God only knows exactly what his trade value is, but I mean, who knows? Maybe Cincinnati can look at him and say, well, we can fix this because what they did with Sonny Gray was Derek Johnson, who was the pitching coach at Vanderbilt, who helped kind of fix Sonny a little bit. Yeah, Kyle Wright went to Vanderbilt too. So if I'm the Reds, I'm looking at that going, well, can we tweak this a little bit? Is there something that, that the Braves aren't doing that we might be able to do? So. Not just that. What they've done for Lucas Sims has been big. Uh, don't sleep on Lucas Sims. He's been really good this year. Now, who would who would have ever thought that? You know, that's another name that everybody just completely wrote off. You know, I I can't believe that uh, that the Braves were able to get anything of value last year, but now that value is hitting uh, hitting tank jobs in Gwinnett. Well, he's kind of he's Lucas Sims has, has kind of figured out uh, how to pitch up, and that was kind of the thing. He'd been trying to hold out hold out and, and pitch down in the zone. And he was getting crushed for it because his fastball doesn't have a ton of spin. Now that he's pitching up, he's starting to rack up a ton of strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's had a couple of really, really good games. So it's nice to see. I mean, he's a local kid. He went to Brookwood. I mean, that was I, he, that was the, the rival high school for me. I went to South Gwinnett. And so. he was the first yeah. big prospect the Braves had in that first rebuild. Like For the longest time, he and Jose Peraza and Christian Betancourt were the top prospects, and Lucas was this supposed like ace prospect. Yeah, those back in the days of like J.R. Graham. Yeah, I, I, those were, God almighty, those were dark days. Those, those so, were very dark days. But yeah, so I don't, I don't know. Castillo is like, you know, when you're when you're looking at some of the guys, like if you're going to go big, you know, no half measures. Like, yeah, like Marcus Stroman, he's got the off the field stuff, but he would make this team better. Um you know, Madison Bumgarner's as much as I'm like, oh, God, whatever. He probably would make this team better. But like Luis Castillo, you can guarantee he's going to make this team a lot better. He's if you just, were to get and, Luis Castillo and Rysa Iglesias, that's not just a move to make you better. That's a move saying I like that's a move that makes the Braves a legitimate threat to the Dodgers. Yes, no question about it. And that that shores up the two biggest areas of weakness. So, um I don't, but I don't know. I don't know if it's going to wind up happening. If if they're actually going to have the wherewithal to say, "All right, we're actually, you know, this guy is finally a top of rotation, like legit. This guy is a one." But they also know that he's going to be like the absolute number one trade piece. And I think that it would be very smart of them as soon, if, as soon as they decide, like, okay, we're going to really entertain offers for this, if they reach out to the Braves immediately because they know that that the Braves are in a position, they they have the need and they they have the the assets to make that deal happen. So I would short of Christian Pache, I would give up just about everything. I would give up an obnoxiously large trade package for Luis Castillo. Most definitely. And I would do it pretty much for just Castillo. If I were to get Iglesias, that would just be icing on top of the Sunday. Uh, and by the way, I am still completely obsessed with adding Hansel Robles to this squad. I love Hansel Robles. And if, if the angels had an actual workable starting pitcher, I would say, yeah, do that too. Uh, I don't really care. I just want Hansel Robles. Yeah, and he's he's a really he's kind of under the radar. Like nobody's talking about him as the, as the big uh, relief guy. 
that, that could be out there. And, and the angels, you know, ever since, um, the, what happened to Tyler Skaggs, you know, they, they played really good baseball, but they, they were kind of, they were playing from their backs before that, you know, and, and there's only kind of so much they could do to kind of salvage that season. So, uh, somebody like Robles is, is probably absolutely available and, uh, and seeing what he does with the, he's, he's like a staple of the pitching ninja account and what he posted the other day with, uh, doing the, the hanging leg shake with the timing and everything and, and putting him next to the Siberian Husky. Uh, that was some, that was some of Friedman's best work he ever did. So I think that, uh, yeah, I think that Robles is, is absolutely in play. And that's another one that seems like a real under the radar type move. It's, it's not under the radar to us because we've, we've talked about, about him a bunch, but, uh, but I think as far as, as the market perception of who's going to be like the really big name, I don't think that Robles is going to be one that a lot of teams are going to be like, you know, leaking to Morosi or Heyman or, or whatever, like whatever Rosenthal, any of the, now that we're getting to the legit sources, I don't think that anybody's going to be like, Ooh, we're really hot after Hansel Robles. That's actually one that I feel you could do straight up for Kevin Gosman. Probably so. And you might even have to get the, uh, the angels to, well, I'd have to look at the contract side by side. Cause I don't think Robles is making a ton of money. No, I, I, I think he's pretty cheap. He was, uh, was he a trade from the Mets, or was he an off-season signing? I think he was an off-season signing. Huh. I don't know. I'm going to have to if check only, that up while we're doing that. But like, because he's, one, because he's a reliever, and two, because he's kind of out there on the West Coast, and he's he's not uh, really big out there. He's a free agent in 2022, so um, he's got some, some control behind him, it looks like. Um, he's arbitration eligible, it says, in 2020. He's got three years' worth of service time. So it must have been a trade. Huh, maybe so. Shows what I know. If only if only I had the internet to look all of these <laughs> things up. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of his. I love I love being able to mess with the timing. I love the hundred mile an hour off that and I love his slide piece. I would love to have Ansel Robles. And I think they, they need starting pitching so badly that you could do a Kevin Gosman straight up, and I'd be perfectly fine with that. Um but but at the same time, let me let me jump in on that though. At the same time, you know, we've we've talked about the the fragility of this of this starting pitching, you know, I mean, and granted, there, there is still time to figure that out, but I mean, having Kevin Gossman in there eating innings, you know, is, is still better than, you know, getting rid of one guy who might actually be able to contribute uh, meaningful innings for the, for the rest of the season. So, well, that's definitely contingent on the Braves also acquiring a starting pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. So that's true. That's all I'm saying. I'm mm-hmm. saying if, if you get a starter, like if you have a deal where say they want too much, if you, if you just want to get Lance Lynn on his own and it's cheap, then you go out and get Hansel Robles in a separate deal on his own. I I think that would be better than, say, adding Lance Lynn and Sean Kelly because I think Robles is about as good as you'll find on the reliever market. I think he's a better pitcher than Sean, than Shane Green. I think he's a better, more. I think he's more talented arm than Will Smith. I think Will Smith is more reliable, but I think Hansel Robles is one of the more talented arms that you could acquire. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, the, the good news about all this is it, it's it's all a lead up to to the next two weeks. You know, you're starting to see these trades trickle in. You know, the, the Royals have decided I – mean, the teams that are making the trades where it's like, okay, the Orioles are trading Andrew Kashner, and, and they got like two 17-year-old lottery tickets. You know what I mean? And then the, the Royals are like, whatever, we're completely open for business. You want Martin Maldonado? Fine. Mommy. Yeah, and like – uh, you Homer Bailey to the A's. I mean, these, these are not like big marquee trades, but I mean, 
they're starting to happen. And these are the, the ones that kind of need to get knocked off the fringe first before, you know, they're like peeling back layers of an onion. And then in the center is where you've got, you know, your Strowman's and your Boyd's and your Castillo's and everything. So just two weeks, man, two weeks from right now, we'll wind up recording that episode and uh, where we are hoping, hopefully talking about some type of big trade acquisition or some, some type of earth shattering event that's going on. But then again, depending on, like you said, there, there could be early action on this based on teams trying to get out ahead of the market before, um, because you never know that there could be some team that, that winds up selling somebody way low. And then if you've got an asset too, you're saying, well, I was trying to get a lot more for this and you set the market lower than it should, should be for my guy. So somebody might try and get out there and get more than they, they think their guy is actually worth. So maybe a week from today, we're going to wind up talking about some, some massive trade that happened. I think it would be fun. I kind of hope that they wait until a little bit later and they actually get the news before we record the podcast, which would be a nice change. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but real quick, by the way, before we go, because we got to get out of here, uh, there is one player that deserves a special shout out, and that is Trey Harris, who finds himself on Mississippi already after just – an incredible start to his Braves career. So Trey Harris, the first person to ever hit a home run in SunTrust Park, has continued mashing all through the minors, is hitting outstanding, and has far outplayed his 32nd round pedigree already just based on what he's done. So good job, Trey. Uh, really, really excited to see what he does in Mississippi. Yeah, that's a that's a strong outfield. I know I know that we've talked about Pache probably uh, going to get the, the bump up to going out here pretty soon. There's, there's a ton of outfielders in Mississippi right now. But, uh, but yeah, like, but with Christian Pache and Trey Harris standing next to each other, both smiling, that's like brighter than the sun right there. That's, uh, that's, that's really awesome, man. Trey, Trey is such a, an interesting player. He's like a, a natural leader type. And we talked, we tweeted out some, some of his stats earlier this year. I mean, he dominated in Rome and then he got bumped up to Florida and then he was amazing there too. So this is a much deserved promotion. And, uh, Hoping, uh, hoping he can just keep it going. It's not often that, that you see somebody who's just moving so fast as a as a thirty second round guy. So th- this is great. This is a really special story. And we're not just saying that to get you on the show, Trey. Which you need to hurry up and come on the show. We would totally be all right if you decided that you wanted to come on the show. We know my we know you are listening. My dad's not listening, Trey, but I know I know that you are. So uh, you know, just reach out whenever you're ready. Right, uh, but but seriously, congratulations to what that young man is doing. He's been an absolute stud this year. Just another outfield stud who's who's been quickly moving up the minors uh, and to pair with. Pache and water. So I think one of I think Pache might get a bump up to AAA soon. I think it's on its way. It, it's time. He doesn't he doesn't have a whole lot more to prove there. And I I think too and, and he got promoted. Uh, I think it was August first last year. So that was when he got the bump to Mississippi. So he's coming up on his one year anniversary of being there. Uh, I still maintain my statement that as soon as he starts, you know, the power that he has in, been able to implement into his game and getting to play in a smaller park with the AAA ball, uh, Christian Pache's closest comp is going to wind up being Barry Bonds. <laughs> he, is go- he is going to freaking mash once he gets to AAA. I can't so. wait to see it. So we might be a little biased, but I, I really do think he gets moved up here soon. Uh, but we really do have to cut this episode short. Um, a lot of things to do, much, much to do about uh, everything around the short household here. Doc, I know you got to get ready to uh, – come home and sit on that flight for what's going to feel like forever. 
Um, make sure you tell your dad happy birthday from me and to all the TPS guys out there. Make sure you wish Doc's dad a happy birthday, whether you do it in spirit or whether you incessantly blow up Doc's timeline with happy birthdays for Papa Doc. I vote for the second. Um, to all you guys out there, thank you guys so much. You know where to find us. Uh, pretty much every platform you can think of. Also on iHeartRadio and Blueberry Podcasting Network right now, uh, which are two of the larger ones I found out. So pretty cool to be on iHeartRadio. Always been kind of a... Uh, a measure for me once we started this podcast to get uh, to get put up on there. So thank you guys so much for listening to the show. You guys have made it truly awesome. Really enjoy it. Talking to you guys. Have a great week. We will be back next week right here on the Platinum Sombrero. Okay, thanks. Bye.